You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. All right, let's get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. 336 episodes in. You'd think Harry would know not to talk during the info. But uh, here we are. We're back from our break. We're ready to go. I'm well rested. Well, I was well rested. I'll explain why in a moment. Uh, Yeah, we're going to talk about the Green New Deal tonight. Tad Western is here along with Harry Price. And we're uh, ready to get this new year started. New year, same us. Warning, this show is for adults, produced by semi-adults, so the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said, uh. Welcome to We Are Libertarians, where our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective while treating modern politics with all of the irreverence it deserves. There has been lie after lie. We toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, a 15-year veteran of politics and media, Chris Spangle. Welcome to the program. Again, my name is Chris Spangle, fresh off of a two-week, three-week break. Uh, Nothing was put together. Everything was a mess. It's going to be a weird show. I've been up since 4.30 this morning. Uh, Here with me is Harry Price. Harry, how was your break? It's calm. Calm. How are you doing? I have to, I can't. How are you today? How, how are you, Harry? This coffee is so strong. I feel like I've done this episode already. Harry is, <laughs> Harry is <laughs> fucked up. Um, Tad Western is here. Tad, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm ready for a new year. Uh, new year, new me. Is it is really going to be new? I mean, no, 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 no. Two no. years ago, it was literally a new you. No, I, You're, was that two? I, it seems longer than that, but yeah. Harry, can I have some more uh, audio in my headphones? After, not as much as what put, we had to put more beginning. snare in the headphones. Check, check. Okay, yeah, we're go. good now. Sorry. Now uh, we are back. We had a great break. I had a great break. So uh, at the end of the year, uh, for those who didn't hear it, you know, we, I get a, I get two weeks off from work, and so I take it because the first week is all full of holiday stuff, and I'm just, I run into that break. I'm tired and exhausted and like that CRISPR episode I just I remember was so tired um, and then the second week I get so bored about half about Wednesday I'm like I can't wait to get back I'm, I got into the slack into the research team and said I can't wait to get back um, I slept 12 hours every day it was great my natural sleep cycle is apparently 2 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, just, I walked out, Stone visited us from Georgia, Superfan Stone, our social media director, flew on a plane for the first time up to see all of us. We had a lot of weekend shenanigans, and then, uh, I walked out and I looked at him and I go, Stone, this is the best I'm going to feel for 365 days. It's all downhill from (laughs) here. I had to get up at 4.30 the next morning for work. Uh, I got. I've had a combined six hours in the last two days. I, I grabbed an hour nap today, so I am a little fresh. And uh, thank you, V Eight Energy Drinks. L- let me let me tell you. Yeah, you have this coffee, but let me tell you, the V Eight Energy Drink with powered by green tea. You get two servings of vegetables and energy. It's great. I d- I drink a can before every show. That's why I'm so peppy. 
Yeah, but you break your fast when you do that, you know? Fast. Yeah. If you're doing yeah. intermittent fasting, you only eat for, like, if you're not eating for 20, but only eating for the four, it breaks it because you get, you know, take a caloric intake. If you just do black coffee, you're fine. Now, you are drinking uh, coffee provided uh, by Craig DaCosta. Yes. Uh, Death Wish Coffee. Yes. And Harry, just smelling it, got high. Yeah. I'm. Like I said, I've done this episode already. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm catching a secondhand buzz I, over here. I'm, I'm really, seeing into the future. What is the, what is this coffee? It's a Death Wish coffee. It's the world's strong. It's rated as the world's strongest caffeinated coffee in the world. Mm-hmm. It is very smooth. It's not bitter. It's just it's got great end notes. I I love this coffee. It it, great if you have superpowers, notes. you will be able to harness them with this. <laughs> it's 100 percent organic. Yeah, I've I like it. It's not disturbing my stomach, and uh, you guys are moving too which is, slow. Which is most important. Yeah, you're you're <laughs> like, come on, get got it. it okay, let's go. I did a podcast over the break, and uh, having done this for so long, having worked in radio, you know, I started my career in '04, and uh, worked there for four years. Did politics, came back, and I've been at the in radio for, for the last five years. And then doing this for almost seven years, you have a clock in your head. Mm-hmm. There's a beat. My beat when I'm doing this show is bump, 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 bump. That's the pace that we're working at. Please keep up. And so, you know, I go and I do other shows and it's bump, bump, bump. And the and I start to go. This is this is I can't have this. I'm going to take this show over. Like our friends, I did a podcast uh, called Friends Against Government. Mm-hmm. Do the acronym. I don't want to. I, I would rather, I'd like to keep the job that I don't have right now. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, great conversation with Bird and Carr. It was a lot of fun. Go check out the uh, the Friends Against Government podcast. And uh, I just, I about five minutes in, I think they listen to my intro. I think they forget my last name. They say Chris from uh, Chris, Chris from We Are Libertarians. And about halfway through, I was like, I'm just going to take this over now. This is yeah, my show now. Yeah. I'm like Alexander Haig. I, I, I'm ready. It was a great listen to, though, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're fun guys, and they really did listen to me. They, <laughs> you listen to their shows after, and they start. They really did take my seven suggestions to be a better podcaster. <laughs> so a lot of people ask me how to do podcasting, and go go check out the Chris Spangle Show. I, I have several podcasts about podcasting. Uh, you can, uh, you so can go check this out. It's pretty meta. Yeah. Very. Yeah. The other good interview was Hody's. Uh, his debate. Yeah. Uh, Trisha Stewart. Yeah, sorry, the debate. Yeah, that was whew, that Our was friend Trisha Stewart hosted a debate between our uh, buddy Hody, mm-hmm. who who is our, our lead researcher. He runs the researcher team. Uh, we have a research team. If you're bored and you want to join us, send me or Hody a message. And uh, and Hody hosts, hosts daily episodes. And Hody debated Larkin Rose over whether or not one should should vote. And Hody and I have been talking about a debate format, and uh, he really enjoyed that and figured mm-hmm. some stuff out, and so we're going to do more of that. Because one of the things that I've been thinking about, um, and we had a lot of conversations this week. We have saw each other uh, two or three times this weekend. Uh, the I was reflecting on my favorite periods of the show, because we're on like the fifth generation of co-hosts. You know, and I'm always recruiting co-hosts. I had lunch today with uh, a person that I'd like to join. You know, we brought, we we've been gifted by Craig DaCosta, Jason Doolittle, and uh, Anthony Velaza with uh, ATR twenty one hundred microphones, Audio Technica twenty one hundred. They make fantastic microphones, USB microphones, 
And uh, we've, we've got several of those, and I'm giving those to the daily host to upgrade that equipment. And uh, they did that through our Amazon wish list, and we thank those guys for making us sound good. I, I take pride in this show sounding really good, and I don't want the dailies to have a different level of quality. So I'm very picky because I think if you can't hear it clearly, then you don't care. <laughs> like if you turn onto a podcast and it's just like, it's slow, it doesn't mm-hmm. sound good, you're, I'm, I'm not going to waste your time. You give us hours a week and I'm going to respect that. So They sound like they're in a wind tunnel. Yes. And so thank you to those guys for helping make it possible. But, uh, you know, I was reflecting on some of the best periods and Tad and I had a drunken conversation at a bar. Well, let, you were drunk. I was completely you sober. You were completely sober. I was gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, three <laughs> sheets to the wind. High yeah, on breadsticks. Yeah, you were. I don't know. I had huffed too much Afrin and... I tell you, know. you what, it was between... It was nonstop, just shooting yourself up the nose with whatever the hell that is. I, I want to say it's something legal. I, I hope so. So Stone came into town, and I decided to set up uh, a dinner Saturday night for a bunch of the local co-hosts. Just, hey, let's get together and meet Stone and have fun. And and then uh, we went out. We took him to his. Uh, we took him to church, uh, if his mom's listening. And uh, then we, uh, so Tad and I were at a bar called Kilroy's here in Indianapolis, and we were talking about tension. You know, not, I think the period with Gina and Greg in 2013 was a really great period of the show because Gina was a liberal who mm-hmm. wanted to be a libertarian and had a lot of questions. Greg was a conservative and a Republican who had a lot of questions about libertarianism. And then there was me who had been involved for a long time, and it was us. It was kind of like a conversation about all these topics from those three points of view. And so I really kind of want to get back to some of that creative tension. And so I'm bringing in some co-hosts to have that same perspective. Like, I don't know politics. I'm not an expert, but I'm going to be the voice of the listener, the person going, hey, wait a minute. And I didn't understand that. Please stop. You got you got to get the banter ball bouncing. And, uh, exactly right. You know? Yeah. So a lot of last year was me trying to figure out my voice, doing mm-hmm. this on my own and figuring out my voice. And I had gotten lazy with the very talented Greg Lenz, who was uh, who is a very intelligent person. And uh, I had to get I had to get my shit together. And I, I feel like I really did, but you know, it got a little long winded, and mm-hmm. you know, and and, and hopefully. We, we won't continue that tradition, but I'm not going to make any promises. Uh, I love to talk. That's why I do this. Um, so, so I forget what I was talking about. So we were we were talking about that at period the bar, yeah. at, yeah. the, at the bar. You're wasted. There's probably I, I'm that's why you even remind, remind, remember the conversation. Sorry, well, I uh, you know I was drunk all weekend, and then I have not slept. I've had three hours of sleep the last two nights mm. after a long rest. And so I'm a mess. I'm like a toddler. Uh, I was, I, I'm, I am a toddler without my routines of being, of doing this and going to work and then exercising mm-hmm. and like without that daily routine, that 16 hour grind of a day, every single day, You're a lost six days away, I was, dude, I was, I couldn't sleep. I had too much energy. I, like I, it was, it was just like, uh, sometimes so. I forget you get up at four 30. So now I've got someone to message at four 30 in the morning. I get up between, I usually get up between five 30 and six. So there are occasional days where I'm like, I'm going to sleep on a little longer. I'll just message you at 4.30, make sure. Yeah, and that's it's fine. My, <laughs> call you. My do not disturb doesn't turn on until quarter of... FaceTime you at 4.30. Um, no, and so moments of rest like that are great because it gives time for you to catch up and for us to reflect on what we're doing. Uh, I spoke to the co-hosts and posted that for our patrons. If you're a patron, you can go listen to 
kind of our working mission for 2019 and what we're going to focus on. And uh, you can check that out. We we certainly have a direction and a purpose. And uh, it's a big reason why you should support us financially. We lost in a single day uh, four patrons and 26 uh, a month because of people leaving Patreon. And I, I certainly understand why you, you have a, a, an issue with uh, Patreon. But there are many other ways to support the show, which you can find at wearelibertarians.com slash support. And uh, if you if you pull your financial support of this program, we have to start pulling programs, and we have a really big year that we're working on next year. Uh, so we 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 do need your support, and we're going to really we've got. I feel like I kind of have the the vibe that I want to go for, the goals that I want to work for. We're going to fine tune it this year, and the goal for the last four years has been has been to get ready for next year. Right. Next year's prime time. The, the presidential elections are already underway, but next year's when a lot of new people really start paying attention. We create the most libertarians in an election year, mm-hmm. and this show talks to regular people as opposed to libertarians. Correct. Uh, the goal of what we do is to talk to normal people and mm-hmm. answer their questions and explain libertarianism in a way that they talk. Uh, it's like you're sitting around the table here talking with each other. Um, and you know there's we need shows that cater to libertarians but that's not our mission our mission is to go out and uh create new libertarians so it is incredibly important that you continue to support our work uh if you sign up via paypal or send a check or bitcoin or whatever way you support us um then let me know and i'll make sure that you get access to the bonus content but it is important that you uh we we have seen we've lost about 100 a month because of the patreon stuff uh, that we talked about in that last episode, mm-hmm. so that's a that's a hit. That's yeah. that's um that's what we pay for audio hosting. That's that's what we pay for probably all of our new subscriptions. Like there, so I have to start making choices if we continue to drop, and uh, that means less less availability for you, the audience. If you like listening on SoundCloud, that costs a certain amount a month. Mm-hmm. You know, so this isn't free. This is supported by our listeners, and uh, we we do this because we want to grow the libertarian movement, and we want you to engage in it. Feel free to get involved in it. We want you to get something out of it, and if you feel like you get something out of the show, then give something back. It doesn't have to be money, just maybe a share, or you have a talent, or you have... Uh, I don't know. I don't spread know. Spread the word. What yeah. you're good at? Yeah. yeah. Spread yeah. the word. Tell yeah. tell, tell friends, family. Yeah. So, Show us what you're good. Like, at. subscribe. Exactly download. right. Yes. Uh, just do it. Don't wait for my permission. Ask for my forgiveness. That's what I. You know, Brian Nichols was like, "Can I uh, promote We Are Libertarians on the stage at the at the Young Americans for Liberty conference?" I was like, "Brian, you don't need to ask." You, you, Brian Nichols, who hosts a show on the network, mm-hmm. has my blessing to use our name, but I appreciate his his asking. So, <laughs> um, so how was your break? How about you, Harry? Let's see. So far, it's going good, but it's I have enjoyed the extra time, but mm-hmm. I have found myself in the car ranting to myself a lot of time because I haven't had you to rant to. <laughs> You don't realize how therapeutic this is until you don't do it for a couple weeks. Oh, yeah. It's true. Yeah, yeah. When I had laryngitis last year and couldn't do the show for like a solid month, I was tense. Yeah. And everyone was <laughs> the a cats target. cats were plugging their ears. Like, Shut <laughs> yeah. up, old man. Well, I couldn't make a noise. 
Yeah, and everything was the target. I was at work and just like getting it. Anyone said anything, it was like, boom. I was like, you know what? And I was just like hitting them with, you know, just beating people up beside the head with facts and like, or just like gas prices. Yeah, gas prices. Just telling how how much I just love the gas prices right now. As a rotary driver, you know, with gas prices getting as low as they are. What is a rotary driver? Rotary driver is someone that drives a car powered by a rotary engine. So either the RX-7, RX-3, the Cosmo, the or the RX-8. There's some other uh, road or whoever. Isn't that like a fan? No, it's a a, turbine. It's a motor. It's uh, close to a turbine, but think of it. What's the difference between your motor and my motor? Um, Pistons. Pistons. Yeah, yours have pistons that go up and down, go boing, 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 boing. While my motor is a triangle. Okay. Uh All right. Got to throw up the diamond. All right. Right. And it spins inside of like a little peanut thing. Okay. It spins inside of a peanut and it does that to create power in a very, very small, small space. So it takes high revving. Yeah. High revving. So it takes about a 1.3 liter of displacement and makes, you know, like my, my, uh, the RX8 does about 200 plus horsepower, but it was a 1.3 liter motor. You don't have a 1.3. I understood none of that. And I the don't. I, I, I regret care. I regret asking. And well, the other thing is like it's mechanically efficient, but not efficient on get on fuel. So right. it does about thirteen miles to the gallon, eight miles to the gallon. If you're really just just slamming it, okay. <laughs> Christopher <laughs> Thomas on the chat. Nice thing about rotary. After a few years, you get a new engine. Hey, any high compression, most high compression, high high performance motors, you do that too. It's just the one thing with the benefit of the RX of the rotary motor. It's you can do it in your driveway, which most of these modern modern engines you really can't, or you don't have the skill to. Right. And if you treat your you treat your rotary correct correctly and do all your maintenance, you won't have that issue. So either you just have to know how to take care of a high performing motor. If you can't, do not apply. You realize we're talking to the guy who lost his wheels in his parking lot. Yeah, I, I do realize that. Yeah, the guy who lost his <laughs> how wheels. Long, how long have I been telling you, Harry, that drop- I need I need to change my brakes? <laughs> uh, almost a year now. Almost like I think we're two months after a year, just driving yeah. on, just pat. Just, yeah. just, oh, I, just. Do you remember the pajama party that Caitlin had that we went to, and then we went to the the karaoke, karaoke bar, and Aaron and Hannah were in the back, and then going, I think your rotaries, if something's grinding. It's probably your brakes. Mm-hmm. Um. I'll get to it. <laughs> so you're going to need new rotors. You're going to need everything. Oh, I'm going to yeah, need the whole shebang. Yeah. You still haven't done it? Well, I've been meaning to get with him and set up a time at this place and do it myself. Yeah, go to DIY Garage on 40, uh, what is it, 42nd and Shadeland, and we can put it on the lift and show him how to do his own brakes. I know how to do my own brakes. I've done it before. I just don't have the space or tools or equipment. No one believes that you've done your own brakes. Yeah, I have. I absolutely yeah, did. Yeah, no one here. You realize yeah. I was a man at one at one time. I have become a soft, fleshy version of a man. No one here believes that. Back in the day, I worked <laughs> at hardware stores and get, did construction. And you were a genuine Al Borland, were you not? I was. I was. I was Wilson, Al Borland, and Tim Allen all rolled into one. Yeah, I don't and believe what that. about Norm Abram? Were you Norm we will Abram? find out when we if we finally get your car on the lift because I'm just going to be quiet. I was doing I was <laughs> doing uh, uh, woodworking in the garage. I was like that, you know, Saturday morning on PBS, yeah. that New England. Yeah, uh, that's, that's Norm Abram. Yeah, was oh, that who? Yeah, that yeah. Is? Okay. yeah, Norm right. Abram, yeah. yeah. Bob Vila. Bob Vila. I used yeah. to watch Bob this Vila, and then they gave it to the blonde guy, and I have no care for him. No, nope. no, thank you. I prefer uh, Homes on Homes. I love Mike Holmes. 
I figured you'd be more of a Stacy David type of guy. I do like Stacy David gears? Yeah, I do like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially the episode you said. You just call him Ted. gay and no, it's Stacy David. You don't know Stacy David? No. Uh, come on, heck yeah, uh, yeah. That's one of my and ho- yeah, that's uh, Stacy David. Yeah, old school, like a great mechanic. Does the he's the build old, hot rods and yeah, shit and anything, anything. Get his hands on yeah. anything and just build stuff. That's why he calls his show Gears because if you know it's got gears, he's working on it. Right. You know. All right. Let's let's jump into it. Huh. Sorry, that's my alarm to brush uh, Gunther's teeth. I apologize. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. She, she's a pistol. I heard she had a BLT sandwich. Yes. Just mostly bacon, though. <laughs> she uh, took the uh, the sandwich apart and then just ate the bacon out of it and then that's... left everything else. Well, that's the only way to eat a BLT. <laughs> she's right. like, well, this is just, what, what is this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> so I see she's going keto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I hope she doesn't turn into Bittner. Oh, no. 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 A <laughs> classic wall right there. It's classic wall. Uh, I guess I'll start that over. Classic wall. Uh, just did this great commercial, and I didn't hit record on it. That's I love when we go back to the greatest hits. Yeah, the, yeah greatest hits of wall. This is the classic wall here. The best moment happened is the greatest twenty minutes of comedy in the history of comedy happened on a show, and I didn't record it. Yep. Several shows like that, actually. This is long before the days of backups and fancy equipment. And the mm-hmm. reason that we have fancy equipment and we never screw up ever yeah. is because of our Patreon members. Exactly. So thank you for supporting us if you are a Patreon member. If you're not, $5 a month, you get the bonus content. You get uh, the CD quality show, commercial free. You get it before anybody else. At $10 a month, you get an exclusive Facebook group. Uh, and then... And you can also get a notification to join the live streams. See, I, we never mess up. Uh, you can then chat with us during the show. Members of the Royal Court at $25 get a poster and free shipping in the New We Are Libertarian store. You can also join the Emperor Circle at $100 a month, the ultimate way to support the show. You get uh, to sit in on pretty much everything. If you donate $100 a month, Harry, you basically own me. Yeah. yeah. Christy, Christy Avery, The I, I don't know if she was the first, but... I mean, she just tells people flat out, I own him. When we go out to events, it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I don't ever argue with Christy Avery. Uh, it's not so, smart, too. No, she's always right. So this is the number one way to uh, help the show. So join now at WeAreLibertarians.com or Patreon.com slash WeAreLibertarians. Talk about the Green New Deal. And I, I think instead of jumping into the Green New Deal, we have fantastic notes from Sam Schultz. And I, and I want to get to that and explain what the Green New Deal is, but I want you to listen to it and understand it, I think, in the way that I, I kind of, it's, it was set up for me. So over the break, I, uh, I, I enjoy a program called No Agenda, and I mentioned this before. It's, it's uh, John C. Dvorak, a tech writer, and uh, Adam Curry, the father of podcasting. Uh, just two curmudgeonly guys talk about politics. They find their audience crowdsources their clips. They find amazing stuff. They unearth these little gold nuggets of content. Uh, I think I've played a couple before. And they're, they're climate, I don't know if they're climate change deniers, but they're definitely, and this is something that I would definitely agree with. Um, they find the propaganda around it because their show is based around deconstructing media. 
they find the propaganda around climate change to be a problem, and I do too. And uh, well, they're going to have a field day with this, then. Yes. Now, I am not a climate change denier. I think mm-hmm. it, it is undeniable to look at the polar caps and say that they're melting, or Malta, or the fact that 180 days in Venice they have planks that you have to walk on, and you know sea levels are definitely rising. Now, only in the sucky places. Yes, and and the reason that this is happening is, for instance, you burn for palm oil. They have to burn palm trees, uh, and so all of that ash and soot lands on the polar caps, and that black soot then melts the ice caps faster. So I do think that man plays some role in climate change. I ha- I am a long way from fully understanding the issue, let alone giving you a solution, um, but. I know propaganda and bullshit when I see it, (laughs) and that is a lot of what this episode is about. It is not about giving you a solution. We will get there, all right? Um, And I think a lot of it has to do with the free market and uh, how we respond and innovation and uh, allowing entrepreneurs to create new technologies that will solve this problem. Human beings have an uncanny knack for survival, we're very good at figuring out a way not to die. Some of us. Yeah, some, yeah, of, us. some of us. Yes, yeah, The ones who are still here. Right. Yeah. If you live in Florida, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, or are we fucked? Because if you think about it, people in Florida are just dealing with the danger. Right. You know? So At all times. So what? what is really... Some like haters? The state of Florida. Oh. Right. But yeah, keep going. Sorry. All right. So I want to talk about the mani- manipulative aspect because I heard this over break and uh, I wanted to play it for you. And I didn't realize that the Green New Deal would turn into the big deal that it was. So all this is very fortuitous in terms of its timing. And uh, it is scary, scary stuff. It is uh, an what? Keep going. Faster. Uh, Harry is literally rocking in his he's, chair. He's redlining right now to he, get back to uh, he the is, motor analogies. He is pinning. <laughs> he's about to explode. Um, so the CBC did a, uh, they have a show called The Current, and they did something called Activist Urges World War II Level Global Effort to Fight Climate Change. Now, this is a woman who is a clinical psychologist that they're interviewing. Her name is Margaret Klein Salomon, the former clinical psychologist and founder and director of the Climate Climate Mobilization. Tad, do you think that a a clinical psychologist would be good at creating uh, persuasive, some might even call manipulative arguments and phrasing for her cause? I would hope so. Uh, and I would expect nothing less, right? Especially if you've started a foundation or whatever she runs. I don't. I'm not familiar with her work, but right. I'm sure I'll get a laugh out of it here in a minute. Klein Salomon, <laughs> uh, or her organization calls for an immediate ban of all fossil new fossil fuel infrastructure and a ten year timeline for retiring the fossil fuel infrastructure that we do have. Okay. Uh, so sounds. Very Sounds close. very reasonable and uh... <laughs> very close to what Alexandria Ocasio Cortez has uh, said she wants. So this is this is what she is fighting for. And again, I admit that I am uh, stealing these clips directly from the No Agenda Show. I give them all credit and thank them for doing all of the hard work. So you don't have to call me a thief, uh, but. As in in radio, if you steal from me, you've stolen twice. Um, so this is uh, this is her opinion of all how we should handle all this. Oh. 
Well, isn't this unfortunate? S-O-B. You have to test everything before you start the show. Can't even steal stuff correctly. I know. I can't even do it right. (laughs) I'm just a pathetic loser. We are calling for a 10-year crash transition to zero emissions plus drawdown and uh, attempt to achieve full-spectrum sustainability across across issues. The, the idea being this is not a problem. We are too late in the game for gradualism, right, to incrementally reduce emissions or – uh, for individualism, right? The idea that I'll take care of my emissions, you take care of your emissions, and so forth. What we envision is a rapid transition of our entire economy and society with all hands on deck, as most recently happened in our history during World War II. So, for example, some of the policies that would come from a World War II-scale climate mobilization would be the immediate ban of all new fossil fuel infrastructure and a 10-year timeline for retiring the fossil fuel infrastructure that we do have, coupled, because we want to keep the lights on, with a massive scale-up of renewable energy. So large government investment creating millions of jobs to both reduce demand through things like winterizing homes and just transform our energy system to renewable. We also, mm-hmm. I mean, we also have policies in agriculture, transportation, uh, and industry that we promote. But that's the that's the basic scope. This is very similar to what Ocasio Cortez is pushing with the Green New Deal, uh, and they want to force every single home, all 136 million American homes plus every single business building, business park, warehouse to winterize. And uh, now, Harry, you looked horrified as we watched, as we listened to that. Yeah, because to me, the, hearing that, right, one, it's, you know, it was just too dumb. But the thing is, I started thinking of the dead bodies this will create because the, a lot of that fossil fuel infrastructure keeps things on. Yes, yes, keeps lights on. But the backups to all of our power grids, the generators that keeps – ICUs on, they're run by, you know, gas and diesel generators, right? Yeah. So things that keep people alive, it's fossil fuels that does that, okay? All those buzzwords if, about if you, right? if you break it down, Harry, let me tell you, in, in 2017, this was the United States energy consumption by fuel. Petroleum was 37%. Mm-hmm. Natural gas was 29%. Mm-hmm. So 40% is oil. Right. Uh, natural gas is 29%. Coal is 14%. Mm-hmm. Nuclear is 9%. And renewable energy is only 11%. Now, in 2016, it was 12.2%. So we went down a percent. But what is classified as a a renewable? And now, let me tell you. Probably more hydro than anything. And this is from Wikipedia. uh, And you can look it up there. Uh, I just looked up energy consumption in the United States and found this. So biofuel is 22% of that. Other biomass is 24%. Uh, So uh, that means wood. (laughs) So burning wood is essentially the... Uh, which creates carbon emission. The worst carbon emission. No one's got f- scrubbers on their chimneys in their houses. Right. Hydro is 24%. Wind is 20%. And solar is 6%. And geothermal is 2.2%. No. So we're talking about wind and solar only being, and geothermal and hydro, you know, we're talking about 5% is currently uh, of our... 
the problem that the, I have with these people is they're so unrealistic. They right. don't understand the economy as a whole or the intricacy of all of this. Correct. And they don't understand that they trying to fix this issue they have like made it worse in some issues right in some areas like like well we want to encourage people to ride their bicycles so they take up bike you make bike lanes and take up regular car lanes so you got trucks and all these cars idling which they're at their least efficient while they're just sitting there idling in traffic you know right. most newer cars have three catalytic converters it's not that much bad crap coming out of the back end of a lot of these cars yeah especially when they're moving at a speed or at a pace yeah, and USA Today had a story this week about how bike lanes are a complete waste of money for a city. Yeah. And in our especially, city, I've never understood it, especially on the north. The north, you can't use them half year. Nobody rides a bike in the winter time. Right. right. What all it yeah. does is clog up traffic. Yeah. Here, here in town, here in town, they're building the red line, oh, which gee. they're going to destroy College Avenue, which is the main yeah, thoroughfare. They're going to close all these businesses. Destroyed New York Street already. You know, they built all these bike lanes because we've, you know, young professionals like biking and mass transit. No, young get pro- a Peloton. Then. Young professionals like low taxes, mm-hmm. more personal freedom. They like uh, restaurants, trendy restaurants, and they like murals that they can take a picture, like the wings in Nashville. Yeah. They like shit like that. Yeah. Like they don't for the they gram. Like the red couch. Yeah. They right. Want, they and, uh, want the gram. <laughs> what is and, that place? The, uh, the punch bowl social. The punch bowl social. Yeah. Yeah. The punch bowl social. Yeah. But the other thing is with it is there's so much housing going on in downtown Indianapolis. They're not going to live up there. They're just going to move downtown. Yeah. The um, place I work downtown, they just. He got rid of the parking lot behind us, and they're building a high-rise apartments in there. You know. What? Meanwhile, the renewable transportation system that young professionals are glomming onto are the scooters, which right. is, and they can't and wait they're to ban shitting this. on it, right? They because right. Right, yeah. because you can't control it, right? right. I mean, it's yeah. it's literally chaos. Mm-hmm. How how do you unionize the scooter industry? You can't. Correct. Yeah, and that's the thing is like the scooters, which are electric, which. A scooter lane. I was going to say, like, the, instead of a bike lane, the scooter lane seems more. You know, you know, it's just it's easier. There's right. easier fixes if you just get the hell out of the way. Yeah, get I mean, out of the somebody way. Some people, you'll figure out a way to move people. Those right. People yeah. Walk. So, so let's return to our friend for uh, some. What? Go ahead. Well, the other thing is like this idea of the saying like coal is like a, puts out too many bad emissions. No, no, it doesn't. Most most stuff when people look at a coal power plant, they see like the steam steam coming out. Yeah, they see steam. steam. Freaking water radiator being pushed. Anything white coming out of one of those? Yeah, yeah. Now the ash pits. Yes, that is like that's that's the waste emission coming out of coal. But once they bury that, they have a way to get rid of that. It's fine. It's perfectly fine. They're not destroying things for it. So let's move on to this next clip from uh, Margaret Klein Solomon. Uh, Hope I'm pronouncing her name right. I apologize if not. We are calling for a 10-year crash transition to zero emissions plus drawdown and uh, attempt to achieve full-spectrum sustainability across across issues. The The idea being... Now, this- I'm playing the same clip again. My apologies. Yeah, I was going to... But what Sorry, you I was time travel, so it what, sounded right. But what you really get out of that is a command and control economy, a wartime economy, which, as we know from the great book Crisis and the Leviathan, is the greatest way to grow the size and scope of government. I rewatched John Adams over break on HBO, which if you've not seen, you must at least get HBO go for a month and watch this. It's it's mandatory. And uh, you see Alexander Hamilton trying to use war with the French in the in the first two administrations of this country to try and grow the size of the central government. Uh, it, it erases individualism. It erases 
the the government that you know now. And so what they really want to do with all of this, as you will hear as we get into the weeds, is to control every every piece of energy that is the entire energy sector. They want to control all industry. They want to control your home. They want to control the light bulbs you use. They want to control healthcare. <laughs> they, By control, you it. mean tax, right. basically. I mean, no, they, they con- literally want to exhale. They want to tax carbon coming out of your mouth. But so this is. But the problem with a lot of this is the small thinking in this. Mm-hmm. So. Oh no, I agree. I, how, how do you feed a? I don't. I would. I don't even think there is any thinking. I think we're gonna we're gonna top out at nine billion people, but we currently have seven seven and a half billion people on this planet, and it should support one to maybe two. And uh, we do that because of GMOs. We do that right. because of farming and advances in technology. Advancements in technology are created by entrepreneurs and the free market. Mm-hmm. But listen to how she plans on feeding people. Well, a great example is the Victory Gardens. So during World War II, 40% of American vegetables were grown at home in the front and backyard by the people that ate them, right? We can farm our lawns and have community farms where so which increases, you know, local food security and also, you know, you don't have emissions from transportation. But uh more generally, programs like transitioning industry right so the united states banned the production uh if you didn't hear we're going to control the food supply and all that then uh you might want to rewind and re-listen you're gonna grow your own hamburgers right uh, yeah new consumer automobiles because they said we need all of that automobile factory capacity during war we need to we need to deal with automobiles to create our tanks and planes and machine guns and so no more no more consumer car production period sorry it's a fundamentally different mentality when you get into the mode of we face an existential threat everything is on the line and you know, so the government is going to do everything that it can. The government should spend without limit to save as much life as possible. The problem is, is spending without limit creates death. What is? Yeah, there's so many, so many thoughts. I'm just trying to grasp onto one of them that to, to hunker down on. Like, does she believe that? Only this, this is only for America, or does she no, not realize that this, this is, is we're a country of 300 million people? And right. She's talking about America, but she's really talking about the world. The oh, I, I, global Green New Deal is is global. Jill Stein ran on it. The Green Party has taken over Germany, has taken over all these different Well, good luck getting the actual polluters, and which China's double right, yeah, right. double the output you're, of us, China, and India's half of China, what we are. But you're they're India, also dirty. Brazil, Venezuela, all these countries that are just dirty. You're going to inadvertently collapse the developed world for Africa, the developing yeah. world. And it's going to be even rise. worse. Yeah. Right. Yeah, most of the developing world is going to go right back to the Dark Ages. It's going to get worse. So what this woman is advocating is like World War II, we need the government, because we we face an existential crisis, we need the government to command and control every factory, every business, every – we need you to grow food at home because we need the farms to uh, retool and we're going to stop food production. We're going to stop production at the factories, the warehouses in which you work, all the shipping that takes place with trucks. That will come to a halt. 
What do you think happens when you stop the food supply? You stop the transportation industry. You stop the energy industry. When you use the government to completely end commerce in the United States of America, which is the thing that keeps the world afloat. We're going to have solar-powered airplanes. No, it's gonna Who's be. Who's gonna invent that? The government. It's gonna be dark ages. I hope Kanye you got your West. sword and horses now. Okay, right. Get your fiefdoms ready. <laughs> but I, no I, horses. They they excrete things. That is a renewable resource that I have to burn oh, oh, to no, fuel you, my house. You will not be eating meat. I love the I love <laughs> the keyword. Well, I'm eating meat. No, you will not be allowed to. That's I'm sorry. Once Lawrence starts invading other country, uh, I mean counties to get our meat supply, I'm getting meat. You're I not watch- going to have a backyard meat meat grow. I have. I, I watched Jericho. Have you guys meat. seen Jericho? Yes. Yes. On Netflix. Uh, I, I don't know what Netflix is. A, a nuclear bomb goes off, and Kansas is safe, and it's this little town. It's Indiana in, Jones in, in a refrigerator? Yes, and it is It is an absolutely <laughs> amazing show. It's like the number one. Uh, Stone turned me on to it. It's like the number one. Uh, what? So you're tardy to the Jericho party. Dude, I just, I am, I'm, cannot wait for you people to leave so I can finish watching uh, the, the beginning eight. of the second season. Okay. Right. Um, it is fantastic, and you see, like, okay, this is when the world has to go. It leaves technology behind and has to figure out how to exist. Except Texas. The preppers win. Let's just put it that way. Um, right. So, Except te- in Texas. Right. So she's under the impression that every emission is bad. I but, mean, that you. All right. So, which I don't is, know about which is, you. <laughs> I don't know about you, right? I'm tech. I'm not grow. I kill plants. I can barely keep. Right. You know, we got, you know, the only reason I have grass. It's because I pay somebody to give me gra- to make sure I have grass, right? Okay. No, no, no. You need to stop being a productive citizen, and you need to start figuring out how to just provide for your existence. You get to use no technology because you can't power that because we're going to only allow you to use five percent of the energy production in the United States. The, At that it seems point, to the only me, thing I know it seems to, to me, rain. it's more of a population issue. If right. the only thing you're worried about is the x the the end result, then the intake so if you don't now by now see the complete trojan horse that this is i can't you'll maybe you'll see it in some of the details later of what's being proposed by the various groups pushing the green new deal but let's deal with the existential threat have you guys heard of climate grief i I still don't even know what the existential threat is other than temperature change go up a little bit yeah Uh, we lose boston and san francisco we're we're not an ice age we're not an ice age right (laughs) Well, that's that's sort of the thing. You're you're going. There's a boogeyman. Technically, out there. we're right. still in an ice age. Did you see? I know. Did that's... you see the news? The NBC News piece that was floating around the last few days from 2007 that said New York City would be underwater by 2015. Yeah, I. Yeah. Do you know how I many? I believe pe- in 1996, Al Gore had a uh, chart that said the, the sea level stick. would yeah. nine inches or something or whatever the hell it was, sixteen yeah. inches or whatever the hell it was. Gl- global cooling was the concern in in the 1970s. The 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 problem is that you are taking legitimate science and making it and stretching your narrative to a ridiculous place we'll see in uh, either later in this episode or next episode trump do this with immigration go ahead and then like doing trying to use science to push everything but then reject the science that does anything like don't get me wrong it's like i coal's clean and coal's fine but nuclear power is safer and cleaner right you know 
think of the technology advancements that we've seen in everything since the 1970s when you had Chernobyl, the the Love Island incident. incident. Chernobyl, that was an accident on uh, that was a crappy country doing doing stupid stuff. Three Mile Island was is non-existent. It was a pointless pointless things there's been other actual meltdowns inside the united states i mean states fukushima fukushima is a very bad event but have we seen significant global meltdowns because of fukushima no we no, haven't really. well that was all because the basically building it next to the sea on a highly active fault i mean that <laughs> yeah, seems like a bad idea. Active yeah i mean it, fault. yeah, yeah it, it's, it's not <laughs> it, it wasn't probably not the best idea correct but like but the thing is like because of how radiation works, it's just it's kind of gets diluted. It's fine. It's you fine. Tell those fish that. Are you tired of banging your head against the proverbial wall of politics and getting nowhere toward actually making your life more free? Are you tired of interview podcasts that have the same guests as every other libertarian interview podcast out there? Are you tired of hearing the same news stories that you can hear on the mainstream media? then you need to listen to The Lava Flow, where we don't do politics and we don't do the major stories that exist only to divide you. We talk about news that affects you and your freedom, and we work to find solutions that can actually help you to be more free. Check us out at thelavaflow.com. So let's talk about climate grief. Fish are fine. Listen, listen to this NBC report on climate grief. On climate grief. I'm sad already. But to, so to get people to buy this... This Trojan horse, you need to f- make. You them need afraid. to manufacture a a, a, crisis. a seasonal depression year you round. You don't have Hitler. You don't have Al Qaeda. So you have to manufacture something over a long period of time and make people afraid. People were afraid of Al Qaeda, so they gave up their Fourth Amendment rights to the United States government. Uh, they gave up First Amendment rights. They gave up a lot, and so now they want to give up the economy because of climate grief. So here is NBC talking about this, talking to a college student. If you pay attention to climate change news these days, it's pretty distressing. I don't know if I'm hopeful that we will avoid climate catastrophe. It seems like that window of time is rapidly closing. The vocal fry. Marcella Mulholland is 21 years old. She's a college student from Orlando. For a few years now, she's been feeling angst over the climate. Choosing to be, pay attention and to be aware in the world at this time is like a deeply painful daily exercise and definitely anxious, like totally. Um, and just really sad <laughs> about the world. But yeah. Now there's a name for what she's feeling. Climate grief. Climate grief is such a thing. And I'm glad that they um, there's a label thing. for it now and people are working on how to process climate grief because it's so real. I asked Marcella, when did she first feel climate grief? So the first time I became aware of like climate change as like a severe existential threat to humanity and to all of life on earth was my freshman year of college when I took a sustainability class and I was really sad for a while and I was just really mad that I had lived in the world for like 18 years and had never... Like, no one ever told me that we were, like, rapidly going towards this catastrophe. I bet she drives in a car non everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> uses a phone made of cobalt. <laughs> no, I'm just talking about driving in a car as an existential threat that she's, she'll die in a car wreck. It's much more yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you want to be scared of something, a car, a this, car wreck is what yeah. you need to be scared of. So my five-year-old niece goes, uh, Uncle 
I said something about global warming. She goes, Uncle Tis, what's global warming? And I go, don't worry. You're going to hear all about it when you go to school. Uh, and it's already started in kindergarten. Got to indoctrinate them now, early. I, I want to be... Implement I, false memories. I want to. I want 2019 to be the moment when this audience is the change in the world that we want to see. We want to make fun of this person, right? We want to make fun of Ocasio-Cortez. We want to make fun of all of these people. But we have to respect that this girl... And the people who are going through climate grief, these are sick people who have been manipulated. She's a victim of higher education. Exactly. And so we have to respect that person's feelings and understand that while it seems silly to us, this is a person that's genuinely feeling this. There may be somebody in the audience listening to my voice going, I feel that. I connect with that. And so you have to be careful when you're talking about this stuff not to mock and and be too hard on people because this is a person who just is listening to authorities and authorities are teaching her something that to us who have lived a life and aren't 20, we go, what? (laughs) So uh, what is the definition of climate grief? Here is one of the manipulators defining it for us. Amy Lewis Rowe and Laura Schmidt are the founders of the Good Grief Network. They held a session at the conference on how to deal with climate grief. Before the session, I asked Laura, what exactly is climate grief? Climate grief is the gut punch that you feel when you realize that your imagined future may not exist anymore. Uh, When you realize that what we've done to the planet will not make tomorrow look like yesterday. I asked Amy what she hoped people would get out of the session. Tools and community and reminders that they're not alone. So is this the climate depression session? That's Kelton, one of the 17 people who showed up at the session. Here comes Creighton. Amy and Laura set up low-to-the-ground chairs in a circle in the grass. The The group was surrounded by tall trees and desert mountains, sitting under the clear blue sky, not a cloud in sight. It was incredibly quiet. The only sound was a little bit of wind passing by. All right, now let me say... How many libertarians have bought into Stansbury's research or some of the stuff that Ron Paul talks about or uh, what? what's the uh, uh, Peter Schiff? How many people? Buy gold! Now, it's not a it's not a, a I after watching Jericho am going to become a prepper because those are the people that survive. But at the same time, how many libertarians over the last 20 years, specifically the last decade, I personally took out a bunch of credit cards in 2008 because I was positive I would never have to pay that back. The global financial system was coming to an end. I needed to buy gold. I'll just spend this money, buy a bunch of uh, prepper stuff because I was sure in 2008 that the world was coming to an end. Yeah, in 2012. And so calendar, man. we have to be really careful as libertarians that we're not mocking other people for stuff that we do and that we're not accidentally participating in the fear tactics of people listen i i I agree with ron paul i agree with uh with peter schiff on almost everything and there is uh, a bill due when you are uh, the inflation when you inflate all that money away when you print money Mm -hmm. there, there there is a bill that comes due but at the same time there's a lot of paranoia in the libertarian movement about global economic issues, whereas these people are looking at global climate issues. So let's be respectful because we do it too. So um, at least there's something tangible with the you, uh, right with the there's economic with, with the economics right. All right, <clears throat> but that's our science, and they're looking at their science, right? Right. I just get very upset 
and people telling me about how we are destroying the environment as they live in a place that's all they do. Right. California is a desert. It should be a desert. Leave it a desert. Right. Move. Oh, I love the climate here. Get out. You're destroying the environment being there. Right. <laughs> if you just moved, I don't know, spread the heck out, <laughs> it'd be fine. It'd, you'd be fine. Just I, spread out. Just I, spread out. Some of y'all moved to North Carolina, Ohio. Maybe. Stay away from Indiana. Stay away from Indiana. <laughs> so if you're dealing Michigan. with if you're dealing with climate grief, here's how to find the road to recovery. Iowa. A couple of years ago, Amy and Laura started working on a 10-step program to deal with collective grief, things like mass shootings and climate change. All right, 10 steps to psychosocial resilience. They shared their steps at the Uplift session. One, accept the problem and its severity. Two, Just accept acknowledge that I am part of the problem as well as the solution. You're Step bad. three, practice sitting with uncertainty. Step four, confront my own mortality and the mortality of all. Five, feel my feelings. Six. How do you do inner work? Step. How do you feel? I don't know. Somebody just got really, really bored on that one. They were right. Like, I'm gonna feel my feelings. Although I, I will, that one in. I will say, Tad, you do a lot of avoiding of your feelings, so maybe there is some. some well, uh, you have to have feelings to uh, to actually that's a, that's feel a good them. Point. Yeah. Seven. Take breaks and rest as needed. Step eight. Develop awareness of brain patterns and perception. Nine. Show up. 10, reinvest into problem-solving efforts. John Wooden is rolling in his grave right now. <laughs> now, uh, let's go. Let's jump back from that NBC report on climate grief, and let's play uh, a, a clip from The Current, the CBC, the Canadian broadcasting piece that we were playing earlier. This is children and what they're drawing. These are, these are kindergartners, first graders, second graders in Canadian schools. Listen to this. My name's Deborah Harford. I'm the executive director of the Adaptation to Climate Change team at Simon Fraser University in Vancouver. A low-carbon, resilient future. Yes, let's. They're playing the piano. Uh, they're joking around here, but let's pay attention to the choice of music. I, I am. It's and very the, hypnotic. And the choice of music that you use to reinforce these points is a beautiful one. A lot less noisy polluting cars uh, filling up most of our urban downtown area. Now this is the, the future that she is uh, outlining. Now if we do the Green New Deal as, as uh, outlined earlier, this is the world that you can live in if you just submit and let command and control economies oh, take utopia. place. Close your eyes and just, if, especially if you're driving because you're not going to want to live in this world, just wreck your car. Close your eyes Make and sure you listen. put it in neutral so you're not get, putting out any uh, right. emissions. Future is a beautiful one. A lot less noisy, polluting cars uh, filling up most of our urban downtown areas. More parks, more areas for kids to play, more places for people to grow food, uh, more shared spaces, more places where people can come together and, uh, and enjoy their environment. I heard a very interesting presentation from a woman who works with small children recently, and so she asks them to draw. She says, if we carry on in the, how we're living in the world, what do you think the future looks like? And she said that without fail, they draw a world. Uh, Fake ass pause. In which uh, everything's on fire and everything is dead and everyone is sick. How does a child who is essentially an empty bucket 
start drawing that stuff. Well, let's let's listen to from that same report children talking about global warming and and I wonder where they got these ideas. Harry, yes. I was just going to say the world she's describing is McCordsville. She wants hardly any cars, people parked in their houses and their suburbs and their shared spaces. That's what she's describing is yes. suburbs in flyover country. I just it, want to point it, that in out. In capitalistic America, yes. Yeah. Right. All right. Here we go. My name is Elizabeth Curran. I'm 10 years old. and I'm- Now, what is the effect of using children, Tad? Uh, my feels hit you right in the feels. Right. We need- they're, they're the f- children of the future. Right. We but need- they're actually not. Robots are. We need to are. do this for Gunther. You're a bad parent if you let down. Auto girl. appeal to emotions. Right. Stuff. Uh, <clears throat> Gunther is will be fine. Right. Have they provided one shred of hard data in this? My name is Elizabeth Curran. I'm 10 years old and I live in Winnipeg. Being a young person, what I find most concerning about climate change is that like animals can lose their homes like polar bears if the ice melts. Mine. Here's a 10-year-old girl who thinks that her dog's going to die. Why do we give a <laughs> shit about what 10-year-olds think? How many data tables has she read from a scientific journal? I don't know. Polar bears are... Her dog is going to die. We're She'd say dog or polar bear. I can't hear it. We may Turn have to eat bit. that dog once we run out of meat. Arthur, I am eight year, uh, nine years old. I live in Iraloui. Uh, How about we focus on some speech classes instead of uh, all this? Did you say Halloween? I don't know. It's scary because I live near the ocean. And if there's a glacier, that also will make the water go close to my house. My name is Ben Bizaillon. I am 15 and I live in Montreal, Quebec. I think that it's time for the governments to do big things, but just because... Just because the governments are doing big things doesn't mean that people should stop doing small things. That everyone should just, you know, without necessarily sacrificing everything yet, just do what they can to reduce the footprint and help us not be doomed. My name is Mia Stout. I'm 12 years old and I live in Winnipeg. The thing that scares me the most about climate change is literally everything. It's terrifying. <laughs> It's, Literally, it's everything. kind of been pushed to the side, and it's just not knowing anything. I just about have it. a gene- I just have a generic fear of nothing specific. I've just been told to be afraid, but it's the worst. Kind of what scares me about it, and just knowing that it's gonna kill us if we don't do anything, which we're not doing anything. That's the scary part to me. Which is not true. The amount of new technologies, if you watch Vice, which covers this stuff all the time, the amount of new technologies being created all the time in the various industries to deal with renewable energy or making nuclear safer, we are doing things. The fr- the free- the private sector is doing things. The people who create wealth are doing things. But you don't hear that because that's not the goal. My name is Patrick. I'm 10 years old and I was born in China, but now I live in Vancouver. Um, young children will experience far worse than the people living right now. Uh, it also scares me that floods, hurricanes, and other natural disasters are uh, way more likely than in the past five years. I think grown-ups should think that we actually should make an impact and not just sit back and let it happen. 
swelling music. We need an actual like meteorite or something to hit the earth. Listen, or just, another world war. Maybe this is video, That's, but listen to how long that music swells. Listen, here's another girl, another college student. This is from uh, uh, something where AOC appeared with Bernie Sanders and uh, Van Jones, and they were mad that she basically moved in and has become the face of this when you know he was the green czar under Obama and got kicked out for My name is 9-11 truth. But this is, yeah, reasons is what he said. But uh, the right just kicked me out. Nah, <laughs> fraternizing with 9-11 truthers. And uh, they gotcha. Uh, so... Which <laughs> this program has been accused of. So listen to Marcella and her concerns. As she has, as much of these children have done, they have taken normal weather patterns and applied them to climate change because that is the programming. Are these local wo- weather patterns more than likely? Right. The uh, <laughs> weather patterns cause, as we did in the wildfire episode, go back and listen to the wildfire episode. Many of you did not. And then you will hear the ways that the federal government is completely uh, inept, at- inept at making sure that these events don't happen. Instead of blaming the people who are responsible, we blame climate change, uh, as the governor of California did, uh, which is not being called climate change anymore. It's not global warming. It was global cooling, then it's global warming, then it's climate change. Now it is pollution. And this was pushed by Arnold Schwarzenegger, who said, people don't understand climate change. They don't believe it. The brand is dead. Make it pollution. And so you, you've you heard uh, the Canadian prime minister say, you know, if people want to pollute, then they have to pay a price for that. There, there has to be a cap and trade system. So listen to Marcella as she blames a completely normal weather pattern, a tidal surge on climate change, and listen to the fear that it causes her. Hello, I'm 21 years old, and I was born and raised in South Florida. Growing up, dealing with hurricanes was a regular occurrence for me and my family. I remember being really little and feeling afraid because sometimes my dad would have to work during the storm. But it wasn't until my family moved to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, that I really became closely acquainted with the devastating impacts of sea level rise. We moved somewhere that's sometimes called the Venice of America, and it's well known for its beautiful water ways and coast. My family was lucky enough to live just one block away from the beach. But when we moved, I started to it's notice that every time a storm would hit, the street in front of my apartment would flood. And sometimes it would flood even when it wasn't raining. Local businesses would have to put out sandbags to stop the water from coming into the shores. My parents would have to move the cars up to higher ground for parking. And it was this weird dystopia where regular people were being forced to become experts in the ocean's tidal patterns and sea level rise. Really bad days, the entrance to my apartment building would be blocked off from flooding. At the time, I didn't know that any of this had to do with something called global climate change or sea level rise. I just knew that this was an everyday part of my family's life. Then I went to college and I learned that my personal... Let me replay that. ...family's life. Then I went to college and I learned that... Then I went to college. My personal experiences with flooding and with hurricanes were just warning signs of more drastic changes to come for Florida and for the rest of the world. Scientists predict that by the end of the century, South Florida and Fort Lauderdale could see up to six to seven feet of flooding. That would put one out of every eight homes in Florida underwater. I love way more than eight people in South Florida, and no one should have to live in fear of losing their families or their homes to rising seas. That's why I'm fighting to stop climate change and create millions of good paying jobs in the process. Uh, that, is, that is from solving Florida. the Solving Our Climate Crisis Town Hall. Uh, I think that was probably CNN um, or probably, MSNBC. It's pretty good. 
in any of that, did you hear any specifics of... It sounded to me like she was talking about the tide coming in and yeah, going the, out. Yeah, the tide coming in and uh, <laughs> crappy drainage. Uh, in a, in <laughs> living a block from the water, what do you expect? Right. I mean, yeah. What human beings see, are? See, human beings are. So, this is the human story. We are so arrogant to think that we can tr- can control nature. You know, it started with us thinking that we can control the natural theories of economics, that we can control the natural theories of biology, and now we're na- we're literally trying to control nature. If we just destroy everything that humanity has worked for over the last uh, five thousand years, then we can we can literally change the climate. Uh, Journals of people who lived in California uh, 150 years ago talked about wildfires and earthquakes and flooding and devastation. These people give nothing substantial to even that they're that they even suggest to do. They're just saying, "Oh, we're going to create high-paying green jobs." What right. doing? What? What? How's that going to fix anything? What? So let me explain. This is the the great research put together by Sam Schultz. But I wanted you to understand the overarching theory of this and what we're facing as libertarians who believe in individualism because these kids that we just heard, not all children, not all youths, are pr- deeply programmed by this stuff. Honestly, like to me, the easiest way to fix climate change is to force the developing world to be us as fast as possible they don't get no say in the matter through capitalism which yeah which we've done a great job we've gone from 30 percent world hunger to 10 percent. yes <laughs> we're not doing it fast enough okay right faster are those dry boring run-of-the-mill political talk shows putting you to sleep on your commute or at work are you ready for some fun look no further blast off with johnny rocket is a seattle-based podcast Expressing viewpoints of free markets, voluntary exchange, badass music, wicked banner, and of course, drinking. The Blast Off doesn't shy from the truth, but always brings the party. Let's rock and roll, Raylene. Bring it on, Johnny. You can check us out at thelaunchpadmedia.com forward slash Blast Off. Again, that's thelaunchpadmedia.com forward slash Blast Off. Launchpad Media. Always launching ideas in your direction. So let's start with a brief history of the Green New Deal. Uh, it The initial effort to realize what's now stylized as a Green New Deal was proposed by George McGovern and his presidential campaign in the late in the uh, early 60s. He was captivated by Eisenhower's warning of the military-industrial complex in 61, and McGovern argues that the nation's federal defense budget was akin to a New Deal program run amok. So if you think about the late 50s, early 60s, the idea of the military-industrial complex, companies like Boeing and Northrop Grumman basically existing to build a new industry of killing people, that was not something that was new. That was really promoted and pushed by... The Truman administration by the Dulles brothers at the CIA. Um, if you really want to see that history, go watch the uh, the Untold History of the United States by Oliver Stone on Netflix. Uh, start at the bottom because it starts with Woodrow Wilson, but it's kind of out of order in in the Netflix playlist. But you'll see the development of the military industrial complex and and how it was designed. And then you know Kennedy was fighting against it. And then oops. 
then came How'd that end up. Yeah. So in '64, McGovern sponsored legislation for the creation of the National Economic Conversion Commission to transfer jobs and defense to peacetime work. Uh, he wanted to reallocate military spending to fight environmental problems and give defense workers green jobs. So this is an idea that you hear a lot. Let's stop building bombs and let's take those bombs and put people in education. And Obama floated a lot of these ideas. When you really go back and study post-World War II and the 50s and 60s and 70s, you start to see the genesis of a lot of our problems and a lot of the solutions that you that you hear bandied about to this day. Uh, so then came Vietnam, and obviously it's it's tough to argue in the middle of a war that you should cut defense and start uh, moving people to environmental problems like the burning uh, Pittsburgh Canal or whatever. Um, so Johnson, he criticized McGovern's idea of a 10% cut to a $300 billion defense budget, calling the idea radical, although that's a drop in the bucket of what we spend now. So the idea of the NECC would be revived two decades later in the 90s as uh, the Cold War was coming to an end and they wanted to put people, it was a smaller private endeavor, to put them into public education. But the term Green New Deal comes about in 2007 with Thomas Friedman of the New York Times, who is an absolute bumbling moron. If you've ever actually read the things that Thomas Friedman writes, you realize he makes absolutely no sense as a person. Uh, he has – I don't know what ideology he has. It's, it's sort of whatever's popular at the time, and then he moralizes a little bit and comes up with ideas that don't make sense. So he started calling for a Green New Deal to end fossil fuel subsidies, tax carbon dioxide emissions, and create lasting incentives for wind and solar energy. Uh, now, Freedom's, Friedman's ideas made it into the mainstream the next year when Barack Obama ran. And uh, in 2009, the United Nations followed suit and uh, wanted a global Green New Deal to focus on government stimulus for renewable projects. A month later, then, the Democrats pushed a cap-and-trade bill through the House. Now, cap-and-trade is essentially creating an economic, uh, like a trading system which is the trade part. So you cap the amount of emissions a private business can emit, the amount of CO2 that you might put into the into the air. And if you need more CO2, then you can buy and trade for more. Uh, it's sort of like pork futures or orange futures, if you've seen Trading Places, and the Chicago Stock Exchange or, or the Chicago... I um, forget what it is. Uh, so... Uh, essentially, Elon Musk, I saw him on 60 Minutes, say the only way we're ever going to fight climate change is if you incentivize or disincentivize people from doing certain behaviors through economic penalty. Can we talk? Can we not talk about the guy who dug a hole like an idiot? <laughs> His company's very boring. <laughs> uh, so the cap and trade was supposed to uh, promise spurring $100 billion in clean energy investment and creating 1.7 million good-paying jobs, quote-unquote. Uh, the bill ultimately died in the Senate. Around the same time in 07, uh, the British started talking about a Green New Deal. In 2009, the Tories won and the Republicans swept in the 2010 midterms, and that sort of ended it as conservatives took over at the beginning of this decade. And uh, now, as Democrats start to resurface, this is their main issue. As they've been in the wilderness, they've been using fear, as you heard, to stoke uh, a lot of all this. Now, so now what is the new Green Deal? So there is a new report out recently that you've heard a lot about from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, and it says humanity has just over a decade to get carbon emissions under control before catastrophic climate change impacts become unavoidable. 
Uh, activists, which means it's going to flood in Florida. <laughs> activists concerned with this have proposed the Green New Deal, hoping it will reverse the effects of climate change. It is a retread of the famous New Deal of the 1930s. Jonah Goldberg, which I put in the show notes, wrote an absolutely fantastic history of the Green New Deal uh, and its and the term, and uh, it's in the L.A. Times. Slapping green in front of the New Deal is yet another sign of liberal intellectual exhaustion. Uh, but AOC says, "Listen, none of this is brand new. These are ideas that we've called for from the beginning." As she, as you heard, you know, in World War II, we had a command and and. Uh, uh, control economy and then with the new deal uh there is a great article again in the show notes on the by robert p murphy he's writing a two-part series right now one was posted today called the green new deal debunked and his first one was talking about how the new deal actually hurt the economy and he compares us to canada and we grew way slower than Canada or other countries, the unemployment rate was way higher because of these tactics. And so why would you take something that didn't work and want to do it again? Now, Vox, which you know is a, a site that I always look at for liberal opinion, uh, David Roberts in his explainer wrote, the central theme of all contemporary Green New Deal work is that GND is not just a climate change policy. It is a vision for a new kind of economy, Harry. Uh, built around a new set of social and economic relationships. It is not merely a way to reduce emissions, but also to ameliorate or get rid of the other symptoms and dysfunctions of late capitalist economies. Oh, the old late-stage capitalism. Uh Growing inequality and concentration of power at the top. Now, uh, I I am worried about income inequality and the disappearing middle class as well, but that is a result of the force of government growing as a result of crony capitalism and government being bought off and paid for by big business interests that are then protected by the government. That's not capitalism. That is crony capitalism. That is graft. That is theft. Correct. And a lot of people who should be moving into the middle class aren't because they make stupid choices in their right. 20s. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, well, we've we've also we'll talk about the Frankfurt School and the dissolution of social institutions uh, that made America successful at some other point, but it plays into this too. You yeah. know, environmentalism, feminism, the modern feminist movement, not not uh, the the very real and what are very we on, the ninth wave or something. <laughs> right, feminism? the idea that every person should be treated with respect and dignity and equality mm-hmm. and justice is a very libertarian value. Yes, but the idea of intersectional and identity politics is not something that libertarians, I think, uh, should find uh, particularly useful. Uh, so he writes. He continues. The GND is at its heart a form of social democratic populism. Its intent is to involve the entire citizenry in the shared project of adapting to the 21st century, and so in doing, materially improve the quality of life of the poor and middle class. It is an attempt to rebalance the economy and the political system away from a monomaniacal focus on private goods toward a more generous view of public goods and public purpose. Great words, horrible ideas that have never worked. Think, are, are they proposing this now by, while Donald Trump, the archenemy of everything that they, the most evil man in history, they're <laughs> proposing this, so Donald Trump to pretty much nationalize 
everything. Would well, be fine with I, that? Well, they're rolling it out now. So I, when they, I, yeah. I, I'm just curious. I don't. So, what's the game plan? So when, I, I know they say within ten years. But, so when Beto's president, then uh, oh, the the, we'll the, be, the ground is soft. We'll be skateboarding to work. So in November, the Sunrise Movement, a youth-led organization, you'd be lucky to buy a skateboard on the black market, Tad. Speak for yourself. My rotary will run on the bones of my enemies. (laughs) So a youth-led organization called the Sunrise Movement is really backing the Green New Deal and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the Justice Democrats. uh, Released a proposal for a select committee on a Green New Deal. It was put in place. And the proposal states the plan for a Green New Deal and the draft legislation that will come out of this select committee shall be developed with the objective of reaching the following outcomes within the target window of 10 years from the start of the execution of the plan. Dramatically expand existing renewable sources and deploy new production capacity with the goal of meeting 100% of national power demand through renewable resources. I would totally agree with that. As a libertarian, I want a sustainable economy on renewable energy that is clean, that is not polluting the earth, that is not causing climate change. I absolutely agree with that goal. Uh, Building a national energy efficient smart grid. Totally agree. Upgrading every residential and industrial building uh, for the state of the art energy efficiency, comfort and safety. Agree with the goal. Don't think it could happen even in a completely totalitarian state, because you run out of resources. If you're going to force me to do something, shouldn't you pay it? Uh, Eliminating greenhouse gas emissions from the manufacturing, agricultural, and other industries, including by investing in local-scale agriculture communities across the country. So we're going to get rid of greenhouse gas emissions, meaning anything that runs on gas from manufacturing, so no transportation, agriculture so no combines and we're going to replace that with local scale agriculture in communities across the country do you think there's enough green space to grow victory gardens in downtown manhattan with a hundred thousand people within four blocks of each other wake up yeah (laughs) this is asinine it's impossible yeah and people with their weird diets i just want cauliflower that's the only thing i'm growing right you're not going to take a middle-class society of people who are co- accustomed to going to a grocery full of lots of, of choices and then immediately rob them of those choices and even, expect that to turn out right. Even if you're going to grow enough food for just your family a year, I think you need like at least almost an acre, like right. an eighth of an acre or something. At the very least, yeah. 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 And that's without livestock. That's just yeah. – That's just – Plant. Yeah, vegetables. Uh, so the the number one job. So how are you going to do this in the middle of the city? You know what? The, what's the number one job in America, Tad? What would you guess? Uh, airplane pilot. Uh, think generally. Uh, You're close. Think on a very meta scale. Uh, hairdresser. Okay. 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 My clothes. Fast food worker. No. Oh, Trans man. truck driver. Truck driver is the number one job in America. Uh, I don't believe you. I can kind of believe that because... Are you talking about North America? Because that would include Canada. United States, driving trucks. Okay. Yeah, transportation in general. Because it's the backbone of everything. I yep. can like, see that. My business uses it to get goods where it needs to go. Yep. I use that to get things from my uh, my prime stuff, from my prime leader, to my prime house. The entire the entire corridor from New Orleans... The, the, the Panama Canal got doubled, and so New Orleans up to Nashville, up to Indianapolis, up to Chicago, up to Toronto has completely been populated with new transportation warehouses, new logistics hubs. It's almost like people want stuff. Right, and they want it quick, and they want it fast, and within two days. And so 
this next point, eliminate greenhouse gas emissions, a.k.a. gas, petroleum, natural gas, from... Water's a greenhouse gas. From... Water vapor. Repairing and improving transportation and other infrastructure, upgrading water infrastructure to ensure universal access to clean water. So, any improvements that you'd like to make to your trucks, to your roads, to your water pipes in Flint, Michigan, all need to meet these new standards. Funding... No lead. Funding funding massive investment in the drawdown of greenhouse gases. Um, so they're going to use stimulus. Remember how cash for clunkers worked out under Barack Obama? Yeah. Now you can't find a good car. You yeah. can't it, find a good car for have... a reasonable price. The, the poorest Americans were hurt because Barack Obama stimulated the used car industry. It is crazy how like some expen- expensive eighties and early nineties cars are going for, yeah. especially trucks. It yeah. killed like if if you want to talk about like independent contractors and everything. Go out and try to buy a truck. You can't buy a truck for anything. Like 15, yeah. 15 grand. Like yeah, 15, you used to be able to. You used to buy a old beater trucks. Anything all day with long. an EMP mm-hmm. that is EMP proof that doesn't have a chip from the like or a tracking device. My even. cousin who lives down in southern Indiana was yeah. was telling my dad that like EMP proof trucks you Don't can exist. you can get tens of thousands of dollars for those yeah i mean yeah. you can't if you can find one right yeah, yeah. you can have to find an old school diesel or something yeah. making uh, making luck. quote green technology industry expertise products and services a major export of the u.s with the aim of becoming the undisputed international leader in helping other country uh, countries transition to completely greenhouse natural gas neutral economies and bringing about a global new green deal so part B of the plan uh, force everybody else to do the same thing shall recognize that a national industrial economic mobilization of the scope and scale is a historic opportunity to virtually eliminate poverty in the United States because everyone will be poor. So no one can claim that they're rich. This is economic <laughs> virtue signaling. At, mm-hmm. at its finest. And to make prosperity, wealth and economic security available to everyone participating in the transportation transformation transformation. In the furtherance of the foregoing, the plan shall, quote, provide all members of our society across all regions and all communities the opportunity training education to be a full and equal participant in the transition, including through a job guarantee program to assure a living wage to every person who wants one. Now, let me say, now, Tad, um, I asked my grandmother who lived in Fountain Square here in Indianapolis uh, in the city. Before all the hippies moved in? Uh, she lived there during the Great Depression. Her dad worked for the WPA building bridges. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I asked, what did you eat for dinner? And she said, potato soup. Would you like to guess the ingredients of that potato soup? No, I I don't know. I assume potatoes, water, maybe a little salt, pepper. Subtract the salt and pepper, and that was that was the, what they ate three meals a day for most of the depression, for the better part of ten years as she was a child, because they the dad was part of the New Deal. Oh, FDR. He was uh, blessed with a job that helped buy potatoes. Sometimes they had a family treat. She said. Her mother would beg the butcher for a chicken neck, and they would uh, have some. They'd have a flavor to the water. Mm, chicken. Neck. I remember hearing stories from uh, my grandmother's talking about if, if how you, rough it was. If you are blessed to have somebody in your family who is of that generation, ask them what it was like. I'd love to hear those stories. Please send them to me. You want to talk about an actual? Uh, we know we had the the girl, the little girl, talking earlier about how she was has depression from uh, the. Economic. What? What was the? 
what was the new thing that she has? Oh, climate, climate, grief. climate grief. Climate grief. We'll talk about climate grief. Talk to talk to somebody who survived the Great Depression. See if they don't have depression grief. Yeah, I, I think that's where they got the word depression from, right? Right. So we're gonna we're gonna watch the presidential address. I'll pause it right already? when right before he starts speaking. So when he uh, addresses it, we'll 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 it'll be live to us. Uh, so we'll do that at the end. Uh, we're almost done here okay. talking about the Green New Deal. Uh, so diversify local local and regional economies with a particular focus on communities where the fossil fuel industry holds significant control over the labor market to ensure workers have the necessary tools, opportunities, and uh, e- e- uh, someone said their family ate uh, boiled pumpkin every day for three years, <laughs> three meals a day. Um, it's so like Halloween every day. Yeah. That's uh, disgusting. Require strong enforcement of labor, workforce safety, and wage standards that recognize the rights of workers to organize and unionize free of coercion, intimidation, and harassment, and creation of meaningful quality career employment. So we're going to hand over power of the market to labor unions. Ensure a just transition for all workers, especially low-income communities. Protect and enforce sovereign rights and land rights of tribal nations. Not your home. <laughs> oh, no. The 136 million private property owners in this country who own a home, we're not going to respect your rights. If this goes through, I'm building a teepee out of solar panels just so they can <laughs> stay the fuck off my land. Mitigate deeply entrenched racial, regional, and gender-based inequalities in income and wealth. So they're going to mitigate. So that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're white, expect the government to be fully racist against you. Harry, you're you're golden. Uh, include additional measures such as basic income programs, universal health care programs, and any others select committee may deem appropriate to promote economic security, labor market flexibility, and entrepreneurism. So they're not only going to take over all of the industries of the United States and use the central bank to inflate the currency, which will make goods more expensive while they're taxing at uh, Ocasio-Cortez says 70%. And I will say, in the show notes, Tom Woods breaks down the taxation part of this. He's much more qualified than I to do that. He had an excellent podcast on this, and he goes into great detail. Uh, hold, hold on here. So I'm going to pause this. Fancy looking. Yeah. So we will we will go to uh, Trump. So for those of you on the live stream, you won't miss it. We'll we'll play it here in just a moment, uh, and uh, give some commentary. Uh, require strong enforcement of labor. Um, and, and you know the 36 trillion uh, that we talked about with the health care program with Bernie Sanders. Think about how much bigger this is than just 36 trillion. But we've got to save little April in Florida from having her house flooded. Uh, deeply involved national la- local labor unions. So this is just going to be like like. Uh, do you remember when we Harry talked about uh, Elizabeth Warren's Consumer Protection Bureau? Yes. Do you remember what that turned into? It was meant to protect the consumer. And mm-hmm. what did it actually do? Protect the businesses. It turned yeah. into a thug squad yeah. for liberal pol- liberal yeah. politicians to go after conservative business owners mm-hmm. and people that they deemed. It basically was extortion. Yeah. It's racketeering, but it's by the government, so it's okay. Uh, so there is apparently a loud buzz. I don't know what. Oh, that's the, that's the swarm of bees that just... The swarm uh, of bees. Hopefully that helps. Loose in here. Uh, activists are also demanding that any representative who accepts fossil fuel money can't be allowed on the committee. Uh, Kathy Castor of Florida, 
uh, is leading the committee. It does not have subpoena power, though. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez's proposal doesn't just call for a committee. It requires that the committee produce a plan that fully decarbonizes the economy, invests trillions of dollars, and provides a federal job guarantee while addressing and mitigating historic inequalities. So the three core principles of the GND, decarbonization, jobs, and justice. The plan must decarbonize the economy. We want the, we want the policy to match the findings in the IPCC report. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez's platform calls for 100% renewable electricity and decarbonizing the entire U.S. economy. The plan must include, uh, second point, must include a federal jobs guarantee and large-scale public investments. The GND, Gunwright says, opens an opportunity to renegotiate power relationships between the public sector, the private sector, and the people. As if there's not constant negotiation going on between private, public, and people. <laughs> well, so you don't know what you don't know what's good for your own self, right? We are interested but in we so, do. we're uh, interested in solutions that create more democratic structures in our economy. He says, "I like Here. that." Uh, it large scale invol- investments on the order of trillions of dollars over ten years. A job will pay at least fifteen dollars an hour with good benefits. <laughs> the plan must inju- I- include a just transition. Protections for those hardest hit by historical discrimination and those set to suffer the most from the effects of climate change. So essentially, yeah, Chris says it's going to decarbonize us. All right. We are we're mostly carbon. And so we're going to die if this goes through. True. And so this is just a complete grab bag of the power of uh, of the gun that is government to put to the head of anybody that is not woke. So the crazy people who are constantly silencing everyone on social media, the the woke mob, like Restless Giant, that basically is a racketeering and extortion organization that uh, puts people out of business, move on, I would qualify in that, uh, and a lot of other Soros-backed organizations. These are, these are racketeering. Uh, this is the thuggery is what this is going to do. Um, which I know that's a that's a I'm sorry, Harry. I didn't mean the uh, dog whistle word of thuggery. Oh, that was a white yeah. white power yes. dog whistle. I heard it. So, uh, yeah, it, it the data for progress.org's take, which has some crazy good memes. Oh yeah, they their whole. I would highly I would highly recommend their uh, their memes. Data for progress.org slash memes. I think I it think was. yeah, it was me. I thought it was a joke website when I first got on it. Right. But and you sent it to me, and uh, it's in the show you, notes. Yeah, it's uh, some it, of those memes are great. Like, yeah, the left can't meme. Uh, that's 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 not a meme. That's just true. Right. True. It's pretty. It's pretty good. So check it out. You know, they say it's going. And they're br- not. They don't even hide the fact that they're they're completely biased. They're, you know, it used to no. be that you'd kind of hide behind some generic name like the Sub- Southern Poverty Law Center, and right. then, then you'd kind of do shit in the shadows. Not these people anymore. They're pretty. They're pretty out there with letting you know that they're complete leftists and they uh, they want to overtake uh, pretty much every aspect of your life once you get once you start reading the fine print. But there's no yeah. there's no actual blueprint on how to do it. They just we want they're proposing a lot. We want to propose this, propose that, and we demand it be done in ten years. Right. And if it doesn't, then the world's going to end. So they give they give the what the world would look like. This is the utopian vision that they plan. Uh, it's it's necessary. It's urgent. 
Uh, it's going to bring job growth and economic opportunity, especially to historically disadvantaged groups. How? No one knows, but it will. It is popular among American voters. Fair, it's, no, it's highly popular. I, I did to look into their uh, their history, and that's that's what they do. They're trying to be a uh, more of a demographic type of... Uh, I. I I don't know. Come uh, This particular group takes yeah. liberal policy and puts it into infographics, basically. Yeah, info, yeah, I did yeah. shitty pie graphs and stuff like that. So we're going to treat the environmentally uh, environmental uh, environment justly. Uh, it's financially feasible and necessary. We're going to transform into a low-carbon low economy. The U.S. needs to reduce its annual greenhouse emissions by 16%. To achieve our 2025 reduction target because of the Paris Agreement, 77% to reach our 2050 target, 100% clean and renewable mm-hmm. electricity by 2035. That is defined as solar, wind, hydro, geothermal, sustainable biomass, and renewable natural gas. Do these people not realize how all these industries are built? They're built on the backbone of... No. <laughs> diesel fuel. Uh, right. <laughs> I mean, diesel, literally, yeah. in trucking. I mean, you realize how many solar panels and... How many windmills you'd have to have? Zero net emissions from energy by right. 2050. <laughs> it's how do you get it to there without the diesel truck or the diesel train? Right. I guess just hire a bunch of Amish people to raise your giant windmills. I don't... <laughs> the <laughs> just don't know. It's like with steam engine. Just... But then the thing about it is nothing. the wind only blows every once in a while. and There's no way to store the energy. Right. All right, so the full U.S. economy must run on a mix of energy that is either zero emission or 100% carbon capture, 100% net zero building energy standards by 2030, uh, that's 10 years from now, zero emissions uh, from vehicles, 100% fossil fuel transportation by 2050, this includes aviation, heavy-duty vehicles, and rail. Yeah, they don't want any gas-powered aviation. Get ready to screech. Clean air and water need to be a right. National clean air attainment, cut methane leakage, national lead pipe replacement, guarantee access to affordable drinking water, protect two million new miles of waterways. We're going to restore the American landscape. American landscape. We're going to reforest. That one. That one's key. I don't know if you you glazed over that, but the the whole the you understand what they're doing with that, right? The what expanding the waterways? Because mm. anything that water touches, the federal government technically owns. Oh. So that's that's basically a land grab, is what that is. Interesting. That's they, they kind of like just skip over that, but that's what that I and mean, that's what that's for. Uh, reforest, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <probably> <laughs> restore five million of acres of wetlands. Reforest forty million acres of public and private land. Now we're going to do that by having absolutely no uh, homes built. <laughs> Everything's going to decay. I don't, I don't mind planting trees. I don't I think agree. that's a bad idea. There's more trees apparently now in the world. There than is. That's there a that's a that's a byproduct of carbon going up. Right. Carbon no, dioxide. No, it's because we, capitalism. Because you people want paper, so <laughs> paper companies have paper farms because wood is renewable. You plant trees, Harry, trees I have, grow. I, I have neighbors. Calm down. Uh, urban sustainability and resilience. <laughs> zero waste. Uh, modern, I, I like that one. Zero waste. A G and D is a gr- job creator. It's going to create lots of jobs. Oh, yeah. uh, justice requires a GND. And the Green Party summary of GND, it's an economic bill of rights. The right to employment through a full employment program that will create 25 million jobs, no more. <laughs> it doesn't say how many we're going to lose. Workers' rights include a right to a living wage, to a safe workplace, fair trades, and unions. We're now, so the Green Party wants to take care of your housing. 
the right to quality health care through a single-payer Medicare for All system, because that will save the environment, the right to a tuition-free, quality, federally-funded, local-controlled public education system from preschool through college, also helping the environment, and the right to decent, affordable health care, housing, including an immediate halt to all foreclosures and evictions. You will no longer be allowed to evict someone from their property. Banking will completely collapse because people will stop paying their mortgages. Because if you can't convict me, I'm not going to pay you. So here's why we need to be concerned about I, this. I would say it's a rather ambitious deal. I, I mean, so I want you to uh, go back and I want you to uh, research the part, the Socialist Party platform. Look up the name Eugene Debs. Eugene V. Debs. Debs. And he was from Terre Haute, actually. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he was the Socialist Party platform. Read the party platform of 1908 and 1912. And uh, you see in their referendums, which is California ended up getting referendums, that you, you see uh, direct election of senators by the populace instead of by the general assemblies, the deleveraging of socialism. You see uh, the... Uh, you you just see a radical vision of America that comes about by Barack Obama. A hundred years later, after progressives got a hold of the education system, they were able to implement all of these plans. And so if we don't want to live in a world uh, like this, then we need to articulate a better vision of tomorrow because this is really scary stuff. This is North Korea this is absolutely uh, a completely controlled economy. Anybody who tries to live outside of this system will immediately be um, persuaded. Sent to the camps. Right. Persuaded, Harry. Let's use persuaded. Uh, it's justice, right? Uh, th- this, this is insane. But well, we, you're going to die anyway within 10 years if we don't do this. Right. But we cannot wave our hands, dismiss this as just this is insane. We have to actually articulate why this is a problem. I feel that we've done that. Uh, we've explained that and tried not to be too dismissive, given you lots of counter arguments as well as all the facts that you need in the show notes. But you need to understand this stuff and you need to argue against it in a way that is respectful to your opponents because this is the next 100 years. And you heard oh, yeah, it in those they, children. This is. Yeah, this is going to be their platform for the next. Yeah, and those next, every election from here on out. Right, and those kids are never. Maybe at some point they'll wake up and go, "Wait a minute, we were told by nineteen, by, by two thousand and fifty, the world was going to end, and it's still here, and we've we've eradicated world hunger through capitalistic policies." But uh, you, you, we need to be aware of this stuff and really argue against it. Yeah, it, 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 you're right. You're absolutely right. Because it's it's easy to get upset at it, just look at it on his face to understand, like, this is illogical, this doesn't make any sense in right. its current. But it grasps at those people's emotional ties that they've been taught or indoctrinated in their schools. Like, the, right. you know, if we don't do this, this will happen. This is what happened with nothing backing or proving with it. Right. You know, just showing someone that this is what's happening. Like, I think the argument on its face is ridiculous without having nuclear power on on the table. Um, as a as a renewable energy source, that is but something. The, the, that is something. The, the problem when people say that, Harry, is yeah. they make the mistake that they think that they're they're actually trying to cure the problems with right, the yeah. environment. They don't right. believe this yeah. shit. They're right. not actually. They don't actually. I don't believe that the. I don't believe that Al Gore really believes more than I believe. Like, yeah, it's going to be a problem for the Maldives. We're going to have flooding in Boston. Venice may be in trouble. 
but like he he takes it and he blows it into a global catastrophe. Millions will die yeah. because he's trying to gain political power for himself. It's no different than in Jericho, mm-hmm. the conspiracy behind everything yeah. that you eventually find out. Like, oh man, like well, just watch it. I'm not going to spoil, but like people have a great desire for power. Mm-hmm. This is an immense amount of power. Even if you're even if you're power the even if you're governing over mounds of dirt and dead bodies, as long as you're in charge, you don't care. Right. And I don't think that Ocasio-Cortez, I, I absolutely don't want to make fun of Ocasio-Cortez because I think it's like Donald Trump. When you, you know, Greg said something to me a long time ago. He goes, you don't realize it's a complete negative for your cause to mock Donald Trump or to moralize against Donald Trump. Because there's so many new people being awoken by Donald Trump, and they go, they don't hear you going after the man Donald Trump. They hear you going after them. And he was totally right about that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same with Ocasio Cortez. The people that she is bringing into her movement will someday figure out that this is all nonsense. And, uh, well, never mind. So you're going, you're going to. Sorry, Trump started playing. What we're going to do is we're going to end this, make a clean break, and then do a daily episode around all that. So that way we get that that information out quicker, and it's nice and clean and segmented out. But uh, yeah, I just don't think that these people really, I think they're looking for, I think somebody like Ocasio-Cortez is well-intentioned. I think she yeah. genuinely believes this stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think she realizes that she's being completely manipulated. Like these kids are completely being brainwashed. There's no other word for it. They're being propagandized into believing something. It's very Hitlerian. It's very much like communism. This is a this is absolutely atrocious. The problem I have with heard. it, they don't even give any substance of what they want to do. It's right. it's pretty much all buzzwords and oh we have we need to do this, we have to do this, we have to do this, but they don't give any they don't lay out any how you could actually do it. Yeah. Right. Uh, In reality, I mean they'll say, well, we can we can uh, we can have 100% renewable energy in, by 2030. But how? What, what, do you mean? Yeah. what are you proposing? Are you proposing sol- the entire country run off solar panels? or what? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. what The yeah. technology isn't even there technically yet to harness, to keep the power. Yeah. yeah. Like the other thing is it, 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 you can tell it's also graphed by people who are stuck in the side of cities. Oh, yeah. Like leave. Go to the flyover places that you don't want to go to. You know, come say that exact same policy sitting out in, I don't know, the middle of like Scranton, somewhere out in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania or, um, you know, down there in the, like the, you know, like some parts of Arkansas. I don't believe, I think they think the entire economic system is a lot simpler than what, I don't think they understand how, how, how large and vast the American economic system is. I mean, just think about how. All the parts it takes to make a hamburger, I guess, at McDonald's. Correct. Yeah. You know, I mean, you've got you got the beef production, you got all the different vegetables. I mean, those aren't all from the same spot. They're all just the, the amount of miles that you have to travel and mm-hmm. just to make a damn hamburger. Correct. Yeah. They and you're gonna in. yeah yeah. I mean, what? And then you go to the store, the the store being built. I mean, the power coming in for all for everything. You know, I mean, I, there's so much power just to say that. Oh, we're gonna run all this off. Renewable energy, and we're going to do it in ten years. Good luck. How are you going to plan this? I mean, it's such a it's a such a vast thing to try to say. Hey, we're going to do this, right? I can't even fathom that yet. Now, like the thing is, you could say, like, okay, 
if the idea was to switch to nuclear power, I was like, okay, you can be, I'm on board with that because that does, you know, that does it, you know, that does provide enough power, enough constant, enough power. Yeah. You know, but, but there's, there's also multiple, there's multiple tiers of what the power is. You know I mean? Right, you have yeah. your power that's powering lights mm-hmm. then the power your car is different than right. that. Yeah. you know oh, i mean yeah. You're, yeah. There, there's yeah, yeah there's you natural gas you there's, can't get past cars yeah. right now that's it is what we have this is the safest fuel that we can put in a vehicle and when you have an economy built on the backbone of trucking i mean and transportation and the movement of people i mean that but like we it's but, crazy. but you're going against people who believe in thorium cars and solar freaking roadways you know and i say show me i'm on board show me I, if you show me something that works yeah but i want to cost effective solar you can't roadways <laughs> it's time to shake up your podcast feed folks by subscribing to lions of liberty the only libertarian variety show out there spend mondays with me mark claire as i feature in-depth interviews with great names in the libertarian community and fun roundtable discussions electric liberty land with me brian mcwilliams every wednesday your weekly dose of comedy culture and liberty and felony fridays with me john odermatt where i expose injustice in the broken criminal justice system Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at lionsofliberty.com. I want to end this. Uh, it's it's the 60th anniversary of iPencil by Leonard Reed, and it is a very simple... Um, well, that's kind of what I was talking about with the hamburger. Yeah, it's kind of, the you know, a guy, for instance, a guy tried to make a club sandwich, and it took him like eight years to grow all the food to make a single club sandwich. Um, yeah. We should be green like France. Uh, how many nuclear power plants does France have? Uh, just be quiet. France is run on nuclear power, uh, the, you know, but they're so green. So, iPencil, just listen to this. This it's uh, we're celebrating sixty years of this great uh, treaty of capitalism and and the spontaneous order that develops out of the free market. This is Milton Friedman presenting iPencil. The basic principles underlying the free market as Adam Smith taught them to his students in this university, are really very simple. Look at this lead pencil. There's not a single person in the world who could make this pencil. Remarkable statement? Not at all. The wood from which it's made, for all I know, comes from a tree that was cut down in the state of Washington. To cut down that tree, it took a saw. To make the saw, it took steel. To make the steel, it took iron ore. This black center, we call it lead, but it's really graphite, compressed graphite. I'm not sure where it comes from, but I think it comes from some mines in South America. This red top up here, the eraser, bit of rubber, probably comes from Malaya, where the rubber tree isn't even native. It was imported from South America by some businessmen with the help of the British government. This brass ferrule, I haven't the slightest idea where it came from, or the yellow paint, or the paint that made the black lines, or the glue that holds it together. Literally thousands of people cooperated to make this pencil. People who don't speak the same language, who practice different religions, who might hate one another if they ever met. When you go down to the store and buy this pencil, You are, in effect, trading a few minutes of your time for a few seconds of the time of all those thousands of people. 
What brought them together and induced them to cooperate to make this pencil? There was no commissar sending out offices from, sending out orders from some central office. It was a magic of the price system, the impersonal operation of prices that brought them together and got them to cooperate to make this pencil so that you could have it for a trifling sum. That is why the operation of the free market is so essential, not only to promote productive efficiency, but even more to foster harmony and peace among the peoples of the world. When you put economic interest at the forefront, harmony results. When you take away the force of government and the gun that is inherently uh, put to your temple to build that house or give us control of your factory, that's what creates division. What keeps this society in conflict is the need to control the force of government. And if we laid off of using the government to force other people to to live as we see fit, then we would see more harmony, more peace, more people using the price system to live in harmony with each other because of spontaneous order that creates things like the pencil. So the plan for solving the uh, crisis of healthcare, the crisis of the climate change, the cl- crisis of any issue can, you can think of, tension between nations, is to use the free market to solve that crisis, to allow entrepreneurship to spawn, to create new solutions that will reduce carbon emissions and will uh, restore the planet. And when you allow people to cooperate, uh, even when it's even when it's disconnected in the way that you just heard, people find a way. The human species works together to cooperate, to find a way to solve our problems. A man needed to write something on a piece of paper and wanted to erase it, and so he had the idea of a pencil. And over time, uh, who is the inventor of the pencil? I don't know, uh, but it takes James pencil. It takes many many different people to create that pencil now, and you're trading your money, which is essentially you're trading your time and labor at your job for a piece of their time and labor and their job, and we are able to live on this planet with 7 billion people because of the dispersion of efforts across the planet. And when you try to take a government and centralize it and force people to do what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez thinks is the most important thing to do, resentments are created, wars are started, revolutions are started, and that's where the inherent conflict of our modern society lies. The people who are disadvantaged in this society, who are poor, who, or, who need that economic justice, are poor because the government kept black people in change. It put people in camps. It is the government that made those decisions because the politicians of the time used the force of government to segment and segregate people and, uh, and instead of giving them economic opportunity. And that is how we're going to solve these problems. That is the solution. It is the, the concept of iPencil. So thank you to Leonard Reed for writing that. Thank you to Milton Friedman for presenting it. Thank you for listening to us here on We Are Libertarians. I want to give my co-host the final word here. Harry Price... Final thoughts for the episode. When it comes to different resources out there, like I said, I said is just, just like with iPencil, just anything like I said is just if you look, 
beyond and just take a second, breathe for a second. What whatever someone's talking about getting rid of or adding more of, think about that for a second. Think a couple of steps ahead and think of what are the unintended consequences of these things. What could and possibly will happen, you know, if you move these steps. Yes, and and usually the person you're probably talking to is probably going to be a friend. Remember. Try to keep them as your friend while you're having this conversation. They're not your enemy. Yeah. Just because they don't agree with you on this subject, mm-hmm. you have to be sensitive to the fact that they have been subject to a lot of programming, like we heard. Yeah. And you making fun of them or mocking them doesn't help. Like, And I get it. Like, We post a lot of memes, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of teasing, but we do try to be respectful. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I've told him to lay off of the Ocasio-Cortez memes, because like, how many times can you see the same joke? Oh, this person's dumb. Right. Okay. It's like we're on day 800 of... I saw an article today on some website. I, I think it was the New York Times, and one of their op-ed people was writing writing the same article that we've had for 800 days now. This is not who we are. Donald Trump is a morally gross man. Surely this is the end of Trump. Yep. But boring. Orange man bad. Who, we we know. Man we bad. said that in 2015, right? And so we didn't vote for him. You're still on it. Like it, the, the idea of this isn't who we are with Donald Trump has never been effective because people have just said it so often that nobody gives a shit anymore. Like calling her dumb is calling the individual that is uh, liberal on your Facebook page from your high school an idiot too. Mm-hmm. And they're then going, wow, libertarians are fucking assholes, yeah. which then let them find out in person. Right. It's the exact same thing when they you know, call your candidate dumb. Yeah. You're just going to turn them off. Because even when you're having an argument or something like that or talking with your friend. Think about how it makes you feel when people make the Aleppo joke. Correct. Or yeah. when you see James Weeks naked on stage. Okay, get the fuck over it. I'm just ashamed. I think I saw him in uh, Wendy's bathroom earlier naked. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we didn't get to that story. Also, the thing is you have to understand is when you also talk with people is that when you're having this, you know, uh, discussion with someone, certain sometimes you also could be wrong. So also be open up to take in new information that you're getting from somebody. Yeah. That too. Dad? I just try to stay away from all the the emotional appeals and the, uh, the... the grips for the feels, I guess, that they try to push when it comes to the the, uh, the climate uh, the climate issue. You know, yeah. we're all going to be dead. It's all appeals to emotion, and i I try to keep anything. I try to keep what I think to the the evident, the hard evidence. I mean, if you want to show a graph or whatever of the ice cores, what, yeah, that's fine. Let's let's talk about that. But you're you're proposing, or what they're proposing is pretty much government take control of everything or to tax we don't agree tax you into oblivion well the problem i don't i don't think that solves anything the problem with politics today is that if you don't agree on the solution then you can't agree that the you can't agree on the problem and you can't have a conversation about anything because the other person's stupid and the liberal side of things the left side is much worse at this that if you don't agree with me, you're not just an idiot. You're also morally wrong. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're an immoral yeah, that's, person. That's and the appeal to the emotion. If you think that you're going to win the hearts and minds of the American people by calling them stupid and immoral, you're just not going to. Right. You know, and that's that's where they don't realize that they're building in Generation Z, the largest generation on Earth already. Uh, they of counterculture of conservative leaning people who are tired of. The nonsense, and so they're a little nihilist. Damn vaccines. Yep. Yep, that's what happens. 
All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Craig DaCosta, the Libertarian Coalition, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle for being our $100 a month Patreon subscribers. Uh, anybody who uh, donates to the show, we thank you very much. You keep the lights on. You keep this running. And without the uh, the monetary donations, this thing ceases to exist. Uh, I am I am basing your participation, promotion, and donations to the We Are Libertarians network uh, on on your your uh, your willingness to have us in your in your home. If you're if you're not going to participate, then I'm not going to do it because there's no point in me yelling at myself. So, um, especially when you're underwater. That's exactly right. Years. When you're drowning here in Indianapolis, Indiana. All right, thanks, guys. Uh, we're going to do a. It's, if you're listening in the feed, then it's already up there. Uh, we're going to do a little uh, Trump, Trumpy in his wall, and then we'll post that in the feed tonight. And then, uh, you know, you'll listen to this tomorrow, uh, unless you're a patron. Then you can listen to it live. You can right? listen live, and uh, while you know, you get it that night. So I literally get up from this chair, walk over to my other chair. And edit and post. So, all right. Thanks for listening to We Are Libertarians. We uh, we love your participation. So please, editor at We Are Libertarians, send me an email if you want to talk, uh, or join the Discord, join the Facebook group, join whatever. Uh, we're out there. Go to our website, wearelibertarians.com, and you can find all the ways you can connect to us. Join our uh, book club on the fourth Sunday of every month. We're now going to have a Zoom conversation about a book. January's book is Them by Ben Sass. Uh, so if you want to participate in the book club discussion, then uh, check that out at WeAreLibertarians.com. We're using Goodreads. Uh, and please subscribe to the YouTube. We're trying to get to 100. We're almost there, and then we can start monetizing or at least have our monetization turn off on individual videos. But, uh, yeah, please go help us hit 1,000 subscribers on the YouTube. Uh, join all your accounts, all your 50 accounts, and uh, hit subscribe. So, and I right. get to wear my penguin uh, onesie when we hit 1,000. You're gonna wear your penguin onesie. Yeah, if we get a thousand. All right. So we need maybe that may be next Tuesday if you make it happen. So please uh, hit subscribe. All right. We'll see you uh, in a couple days.